Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Wrestling Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. Merry Christmas. So good to see your faces, especially those you've been sick for a while. Welcome back. Really? And some of you guys have been traveling and coming back. Wow. This is family. This is family to me. It's not just theoretical or theological to say, hey, we are a family because of Jesus Christ. And, and that's true. But you're a family. And so whenever we gather, my heart, just as I love my kids and my wife, you guys mean the world to us so much. So when you are away and I don't see you for a while, there's a detachment like, oh my gosh, I really miss you guys. So, welcome back. You know, I, I don't know about you guys, but growing up, there was always this one Christmas program that came up every year. Hand mic. That's crackling is happening again. Okay, test. We thought we had it fixed, but it's all right. So every year there used to be this TV program, and you get maybe you guys can relate. Charlie Brown's Christmas. <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about. It was the first uh, Peanuts from the comic strip that they made into a program, a whole movie, and it lasted. They played every year for 56 years during Christmas season, until Apple TV made the exclusive, but that's something else. I don't want to give them credit for that. But 56 years, they play it every Christmas time. But there was a scene in there that was controversial. And we watch it and we receive it, and it's like, good cartoon, makes you feel good. A little short, bald guy, he's cute. And, you know, we like it all. But did you know that there was a scene in there where the animators... And the producers didn't want to include. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So if you guys don't know the plot, or have never seen Charlie Brown Christmas, it's uh, the little bald Charlie Brown, right? The nicest guy. And then people are mean to him for whatever reason. Uh, but he was a little discouraged. And so Lucy, the one who always takes, steals the football away from him, right, says, maybe you should lead the Christmas play. And that may encourage you because you are leading. So he took the job offer, and he's doing it. And, but the, the culture of Christmas is bringing him down. He sees, like, his little sister greedily writing, you know, a letter to Santa with what she wants. The commercialization, like, everything that he did not like about culture of Christmas even his dog is decorating his doghouse. And, and it's like, it's not about that. And he was so frustrated. And so he's like, maybe we need to bring something in. And so he's like, we need a Christmas tree. So he goes and buys a Christmas tree. And if you guys remember that scene, there's this rinky-dink little, you know, right? And then he brings it back to the play and all his friends just mock him, telling him how stupid he is. And he's like, oh, maybe I don't know. But does anyone anyone know anything about what the true meaning of Christmas, ah, you know, type deal? 
And at that point, Linus comes, the little boy with the security blanket. And he goes, yeah, I know. He drops the, his security blanket. He says, lights, please. <laughs> and he says, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said to, unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in a swaddling cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. I, I try to read that like Linus did, but, you know, I don't have that little boyish charm. <laughs> but this was a controversial scene because Charles Schwartz wanted to include it. The producers, his animators, objected to it because he's like, don't include anything religious. To which Charles Schwartz says, if we don't, who will? If we don't, who will? He asked this question within true meaning of Christmas. Does anyone know the true meaning of Christmas? And he put in the values within the culture, like, is it about the tree? Is it about the decorations? Is it about the uh, Santa and the wish list and all this commercialism? And, and he was so discouraged. And he asked the question until a truth came out, truth teller came out. He dropped his security blanket, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Charles Schwartz says, if we don't, who will? And my question to you is, if we don't, who will? Because if we don't, and let me tell you, those who don't know the true meaning of Christmas are telling the world what the meaning of Christmas is. They were trying to redefine what Christmas is. They were trying to take Christ out. They were trying to take the very reason of Christmas, saying Xmas or Happy Holidays. And that, I don't know about you. That makes me irritated. Why are we saying just holiday when the whole thing shuts down for the name of Jesus Christ and the holiday, we come in the name of Jesus? So, if we don't share what Christmas is all about, and that is the two word, Christ Mass. It's the old English. Christ, Jesus Christ. Mass, which is celebration or worship. It's a celebratory mass gathering in the name of Jesus because of Jesus. And so we're going to get to the fundamental basics. And you probably already know this. So come on. When we get to Christmas, it's not like you haven't heard it. You've heard it growing up along with other stories of Santa and everything else that ha may have distracted you. I'm not going to tell you anything new, but we come back to the basic meaning of Christmas. December 25th is not the exact date of the birth of Jesus Christ. 
We don't celebrate the actual birth of Jesus Christ because we don't know. No one knows. If anyone proclaims to know, come on. I, I will gladly hear it. That's all I can say. But it's about the season. We made and chose that date to remember the season when Christ came. But it is very interesting because there is a lot of theories to why December 25th was chosen. I don't know if you guys know this. Um, March 25th is a spring equinox, right? And that is sort of the time when it's theorized. Again, this is theory of when the creation happened, when the beginning happened. I don't know if God created and it's like, boom, springtime, you know, beginning of the year. You don't start with winter, you start with spring, life. Okay, so spring equinox, the whole beginning of life, March 25th. And that's sort of the time when the Hebrew calendar of the Nisan calendar kind of start around there. But again, because of the lunar calendar, it changes every year. So it's not like we know exactly March 25th. Nine months after, December 25th. You guys get the math. All right. December 25th is also, coincidentally, it is the pagan Roman holiday of their winter sun um, god thing. There's a, yeah. You guys know what I'm talking about. December 25th. So when Constantine came into power, and we're talking about 325 AD, around that time, right? He, comes, he legalized Christian faith. He himself did not proclaim to be Christian, but he legalized it. And when Christianity became open, like they were able to hide out from the persecution, it became predominantly Christian nation. And at that time, he allowed, because December 25th was this, the sun god, sun, unconquered sun god thing, the son of God, they wanted to offer an alternative to the pagan holiday and override it over time. It wasn't like they were trying to override it, but they said it was an alternative, and the, the belief and the culture of the, the followers overrided the pagan holiday. And then there was this merger that took place, but that's another story. It's not about December 25th. It is made for our convenience to remember. I love that sound. <laughs> To remember when Christ came. But what was so significant about his coming? What was so significant? And you, you guys know this. I think it was more the anticipation, in the, especially in the first century, the Jews, the, the followers of God. In the anticipation, they were waiting for the Messiah, the Christ, who would save them. Why? Right? you got to understand that scenario. For 400 years, they were without a prophet. For 400 years, if you rewind 400 years prior to uh, Jesus' coming, the Israelites had fallen away from God. They had lost their land. They had lost their kings. They had lost everything that they have known. They came back to the nation of Israel, Nehemiah, and they were trying to rebuild. And Ezra, last of the prophets, and then there was this silent period of 400 years. If you can imagine, during those times, Israel was attacked by foreign occupation, foreign powers. And inevitably, 
Roman Empire override. They were paying taxes. They were oppressing the Israelites. And the Israelites, the God's own people who were supposed to be favored, they were the chosen race. They were like, God, save us. Save us. And the only thing I can relate, and I have no idea what that Roman occupation would have looked like, that oppressiveness. But I do know the history in Korea when Japan or China, when they oppressed you did not have control over your own property, your own family, the language you spoke, the kind of clothes you wore, or the, how you were able to relate with your own friends. It's oppressive. And the Jewish people were crying out to God, when, Lord, when will you send us that prophesied Messiah, the Christ who will come and save us? It was that anticipation. And for hundreds of years, and there are a couple of moments when some great leader would come and rise, and they're like, is he the Christ? It was happening long before Jesus came. So I think it was the anticipation when the God's people were ready for this prophesied Messiah, the Christ. And there were many prophecies of the Christ in the Old Testament. And that can be debated. There are hundreds of little snippets of the prophecies. But there were, there are so many that Jesus came and he fulfilled the, you might have heard, like if a statistician wanted to make the odds of one person fulfilling all of that, it's like 10 to the, like the trillion, zero, zero, zero. It's an impossibility, but he fulfilled it. And, but, you know, some of the Prophecies is like that he would come and crush the serpent's head, defeating sin and death. That is noted in Genesis 3.15. That God promised David that his throne will be established forever through one of his descendants. And that's 2 Samuel 7.12. Last week we looked at Isaiah 9 where a child is born and, ever, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. I looked at that a little bit deeper last week. And another prophecy, Isaiah 53, about the suffering servant, that he will be rejected and he will bear the sins of many, okay? And the disanointed one will come out of Bethlehem and Micah 5 too. There are so many prophecies of this anointed one, his circumstances, setting, who, what he will do and what he will fulfill. It's, it all brought hope for God's people. That hope was like, oh, there will be a better day. There will be a time when we will be relieved and saved and all of these things. And so that was the anticipation. That was the longing that people look forward to. But if there's all these prophecies, if there's all these wonders that people waited for, it was a one sign that God said, if you see this, you will know this is, this is it. One sign. You guys know what I'm talking about? The virgin birth. And this was prophesied in Isaiah 7:14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So this is a sign. A virgin birth. Virgin birth? What? Like, biologically. Like, how is that even possible? And that's exactly what Mary said. 
when Angel Gabriel came and announced the good news to her, and he said this in Luke 131, he said, Behold, you will receive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give you him, give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. This is to fill all the prophecies of the Old Testament, that this was the one. But he told that, Angel Gabriel told that to Mary, and Mary is like, huh? But how is that possible? I have not known a man. And that's my point. There's our education, there's our understanding, our logic, our experience that dictate how we understand things, how we comprehend things, and how we make decisions based on our logic and learning, right? Otherwise, it would be foolishness. There would be foolish choices if you do not go by your education, your experience, and learnedness. Mary asked, how will this be since I am a virgin? Because that's a very legitimate question. How? Because there's a bi biological impossibility. I want to look around to make sure that kids are of age. You can't have baby without sex. It's okay. The youngest one here has already had <laughs> biology <laughs> education. <laughs> Even today, we have this in vitro right, process, fertilization. The doctor still has to take the seed of a man in, in order to inseminate the egg. There has to be this contact between one to another, male and female. Biologically, how is this possible? Mary asked from her learnedness, her experience, like, how? It's an impossibility. And this is difficult for all of us, for us learned, for us who are educated, who have been taught, who have the experience. Some things are hard to comprehend when we know it's an impossibility. But sometimes God gives you a sign that surpasses the possibilities. Sometimes God gives you things to show you a sign that overshadows your doubts. You know, it's interesting that when we look at Isaiah 7:14 and behind that prophecy, it was, um, I don't know if you know much about the Israel history. A couple of you guys are Bible nerds, so... I'll give you the credit that you probably know it. Uh, king Ahaz was king of Judah, the southern kingdom king. He was known to be not so good, but most of them were not so good. Okay. The northern kingdom was ready to come down and attack. So I believe it was Syria and Israel, the northern, they made a coalition to collaborate and to attack the southern kingdom. King Ahaz felt threatened. So what do you do? You get your backup team to help you out. And at that time, Assyria was the superpower and that he would co-labor, he would collaborate. But that would also mean that he would subject himself, his own country, under Assyria and they would have to pay tax and be under the oppression. Do you understand that? 
prophet Isaiah comes and says, don't do that. The Lord will protect you. The Lord will give you. In fact, ask of him. Ask any sign. He got your back. I'm paraphrasing here. King Ahaz sounded so righteous because I don't want to put the Lord to the test. He says, no. Instead, he went to Assyria and collaborated. You understand that? So God was like, you don't want a sign? I offered it. I'll give you a sign anyways. And this is where Isaiah 7:14 comes in. He goes, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. You didn't ask for it, but he himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. You didn't ask for a sign, but I'll give you a sign. You should have trusted me. You should have believed in me. You should know that I can do the impossible. Your logic tells you that you cannot win this war. You cannot win this battle. You cannot trust God. You should have trusted. Because I can even take a virgin and she will bear a son. Impossible. But when the Lord comes upon you, the impossible becomes possible. When the Lord comes upon you, there is hope for the hopelessness. When the Lord comes upon you, there is freedom for the oppressed. There is peace, shalom, to destroy the chaos of this world. There is, when God comes upon you, the, what your learnedness, your education, whatever that you have believed, is overshadowed. You can trust God. You know why? He says, look for a sign that you can trust me. I'll give you a virgin who will have a son. Mary asked the how. And the angel Gabriel answered in Luke 135. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy the Son of God. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Your impossibility will be nothing to the mighty God. Your hopelessness will be filled with hope. The impossible is, is possible. There is nothing that is too difficult for the Lord because He is God. Don't think of Him as man. Don't treat Him like a man. That He, we are, he is finite to our limitations. No, He is God. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, He will, the power of His Most High will overshadow you. And the sign that we can believe this is the virgin gave birth. He said, look for a sign, and then He gave a sign. He gave a promise, and then he fulfilled it in Jesus Christ. Jesus came in form of a baby. God, the most high king, the king of kings and lord of lords, God himself, who is created the universe, came in the flesh, in the impossible circumstances, as a sign that God keeps his word. God keeps his promise. He is who he says he is, and you can follow him. Ahaz did not believe and did what was so logical. He pulled his country move or political move. But what his country needed, what his people needed 
was one who followed God and lead his people to God. And he failed to do that. And that led to the inevitable, the loss of their own country and their countrymen. They were trying to save and preserve themselves. In, in the end, they lost it all because they were trying to do the logical. We come back to the meaning of Christmas. The meaning of Christmas is that Christ came. We celebrate Christ because he was the baby born in a manger to a virgin birth. As an ultimate sign, fulfillment of the promise that he came. What does that mean for us? Oh, it means a lot. I only have like five more minutes. So let me shorten this. I don't know where you are coming from and where you are, who Jesus is to you but he is God. He is not a religion. He's the creator who came. He gave a sign that says, you can trust me. You can believe in me. I am all that I say that I am. It doesn't matter about your logic. It doesn't matter about your unbelief. He comes and he, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he will overshadow anything, any doubt, any of your insecurities or unbelief. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you come from, what you've done. It doesn't matter because when he comes, and he has come. And on that cross, he died for the sins of many. For anyone who believes in him, in confession of our faith, and believe, he says, your sins are forgiven. And he gives us a new start. Anyone who believes in him will be a brand new creation. Hallelujah. Right? It doesn't matter about the past or where we come from. It is about the cross and the New Testament and the new covenant that he has offered us. He came in the form of a baby as a sign to say, look, I can fulfill the the prophecy. I make the promise and I've come and fulfill it. If you believe in me, if you trust in me, the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you and will overshadow anything else, including your logic, including your learnedness, and he will do the impossible, the possible in your life. I believe Christmas is the ultimate promise fulfilled. For anyone who's ever had their promises being disappointed, right? People make promises and they've fail to back it up. We get disappointed. We get hurt. And we've, we have a hard time trusting another. It's like, oh, people break promises all the time. What does that really mean? When God makes a promise, he fulfills it. When he says something, you can trust in it. If he says it, it is true. We may not see it in our very eyes today, but if you believe in his promise for your life, oh, where is your hope? Where is your longing? Our mission statement of this church is that the lost will be found, found will be free, for peace to reign in our city because Jesus is the Lord of all. That is the gospel, do you guys understand? Is that the lost will be found. Is that the gospel will reach the, the darkened hearts of anyone and they will be found. And anyone who is found, they will be free. Freedom in the Holy Spirit. And that is who we are. Like there is this freedom from your oppressive, your bondage, your slavery, whatever that has pushed you down, there is freedom in Christ's name. And there is peace. We talk about shalom. There is peace in our lives, in our hearts, in our families, in our circumstances. And there is peace that is wholeness and restoration that is offered for God's people. There is no greater news than that. That's Christmas. That's why we come together, folks. This is why we are family and we trust another, one another and love one another because he came 
he came. Amen? Amen. We rise. I'm going to welcome the prayer team to come forward. Sometimes we just need to come to a, um, a day when we cross the line, when we step over from the old to the new. It's a decision, and we may do it in our hearts and, and may have done it, but sometimes we go through life and we get distracted. Not only about you, I get distracted very easily. Uh, I'm not saying that in proud things. <laughs> I get distracted. And sometimes the Lord just says, son, let's come back. The prayer team is here to, to welcome you, to pray with you, to intercede for you. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, all this is just mere talk. There is no hope unless you receive him into your life. Unless you receive him, there is no Holy Spirit to come. The, whole, the Spirit of God will promise to come and live in you, indwell you. And you live in oneness. It is not about you trying to attain uh, righteousness and goodness because of good works. That's not how this works. You believe, you trust, and you receive. And when he comes upon you, the Holy Spirit will overshadow anything of your inferiority brokenness, hopelessness. So the prayer team is here for you to pray with you, to lead you. Do not leave the season without Him. If it's about rededicating your life, come. This is the season to say, Lord, I need you. I've been distracted. Come. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Blessing Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.